Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. Welcome back to another edition of the Starting 502 podcast. As always, I'm your host with the most, Presley Meyer. And alongside me, I have a special guests with us tonight a little family emergency but no worries we got jacob lane on for the podcast jacob what, what is going on bro i haven't <laughs> talked to you i haven't talked to you on a podcast for like a year i was watching basketball game with you. <laughs> that's right you were uh you were absent from the podcast a few weeks ago when we did the nc state thing nick and i held down the fort you know i'm just i'm just filler talent at this point man you guys are the rock stars and you hit me up at the last minute and you say, hey, I can't do it. Can you fill in? And I say, you know what? I got nothing better going on. Sure. Why not? So I'm driving down uh, into downtown Louisville right now, trying to get back home to the OC, Oldham County. Shout out Oldham County. And I'm here, man. I'm excited. Let's talk basketball because it was uh, uh, an interesting night, I think. Yeah, shout out to the OC. I mean, the, the, the thing that stood out the most, and I think we all kind of saw this coming uh, before the game, was just simply the, the attendance in this game was just abysmal. Uh, whether, you know, it had to do with uh, losing to DePaul certainly doesn't help. In the game before, the game being at 6 o'clock uh, definitely doesn't help. There was zero energy in that arena. I think I think you and I um, and our buddy Alex Stengel were – I think we were about 60% of the volume in that place. I think every player heard every single thing that we said. Uh, so that was, uh, that was fascinating. Uh, one, one thing that we, we wanted to get out of the way – uh, and jump onto early what was who the player of the game was for you. And to me, it was Malik Williams to me, uh, plus 28. Um, that was the best plus minus on the team. He only played 17 minutes, 15 points, six for 10 from the floor, uh, three for three from the free throw line, 10 total rebounds, yet another double double for Malik Williams. Uh, I mean, look, it, it, as, as much as Nick and I got on him the first like five or six games of the season, he's been the polar opposite of that. Uh, in the last like three games or so, um, Malik has been super active on the boards, and uh, clearly he's not the player that we thought that he could be at one point for Louisville. He, he's very much been what he what he was expected to be in years past, if that makes sense. 
So I, I think that the, the best the best person that explained it so far uh, was a guest on, on Andy, Andy Sweeney's show on the way in today. He said that Malik Williams is not the player that we thought that he, he could be, but he's the player that we thought that he would be. Does that make sense? So like Malik Williams is the is no. the <laughs> Malik Williams is not the player that that fans thought that he might be maybe two years ago, right? Like when Stephen Enoch yeah. was on the team, when there's a lot of depth, yeah. and you're like, when Malik Williams is the guy and he's playing 30, 32 minutes a game, like he's gonna be just phenomenal. And that never panned out mm-hmm. because Malik Williams got injured last year. And Malik Williams is clearly still laboring. Um, he's yeah. still yeah. playing through a lot of injuries, he's still getting back to his old self. So he's not who we thought he could be, but he very much is who we thought that he would be. Uh, and he wasn't who we thought he would be about the first five games of the season. He is now. His, his, I believe is his second double-double in a row, almost his third double-double in a row. He is becoming, again, with Jared West, he's the leader on this team. Uh, he is, I mean, a double-double in 17 minutes, that's tough to beat. And he very much was an interior player tonight. He scored 15 points, and almost all of that came uh, on post-ups or on second-chance points. Uh, that's very yeah. much what you want Malik Williams to be. Uh, that's what Louisville has lacked. You know, I watched a lot of college basketball this weekend because Louisville was off on Saturday and Sunday. And one thing that, like, just stands out like a sore thumb is Louisville has no interior presence at all. Um, well, you know why and- that is. It's, let's, let's not ignore the elephant in the room, right? We saw a little bit of Jalen Withers at the back of five spots tonight, and we were energized by that. But overall, Presley, the reason why there's no post presence is because Jalen Withers has gone MIA. Like Malik Williams, obviously he's a six foot eleven big guy, but he is the, uh, you know, he he is the his specialty is that pick and pop, being able to step out to the three point line, set solid screens for Jared West, Mason Faulkner, L. Ellis and then also be able to rebound around the rim. We saw him tonight early on in the game, mostly just kind of cleaning up around the basket. There was a lot of missed layups. But uh, the, the post-presence thing, man, it comes down to the fact that Jalen Withers is not the Jalen Withers that we expected. In fact, he has become, I, I mean, just uh, to put it bluntly, he, he's not even a role player at this point. I mean, he had some bright spots tonight, but uh, that post-presence was supposed to kind of uh, be solidified around him being able to play inside, outside, and we just aren't seeing it, dude. I mean, he's just not doing it. I don't – I think that last season we saw there was just so much potential with, with Jalen Withers, and I think that he was so appetizing for fans because he's such a freak athlete, and he can do so much uh, just out, outside of just posting up players. And uh, Withers was, was, not, was good against everyone last season, right? Like, it wasn't like – you know, it wasn't like he was just good against Southeastern Louisiana last season. He was good all over the floor. And what made him such a threat was that he was very much in the mold of like Malik Williams, where he can rebound, he can post you up, he can score in a number of different ways, uh, but he can also spread the floor out and shoot the three ball. And that was fascinating to Louisville fans. Well, now that he is playing at the four spot, uh, he has almost just kind of resigned to just being a four and that's it. Uh, not crashing the boards, not posting up, not getting into the lane, uh, just floating out to the perimeter. Uh, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the Ross McMain's influence offense, where Louisville wants to be more of a run and gun style offense. He wants to be a guy that can put the ball on the floor, 
and uh, and essentially dictate the game uh, off the dribble. Uh, but that's not, I, in my opinion, that's not the player that he is. If he wants to play the next level, I don't think that's the player that he's going to be. I think that he is is uh, you know after watching him for what ten games now this season, I think that he's very much uh, what more what he was last year than what we thought that he would be this year. Um, and, and that I don't know if that's necessarily concerning more than he just needs to be that guy. I, yeah. I think that at, at the end of the day, you know, we might look at Jalen Withers and then say, you know, he's not, he's not producing like we thought that he would. The reality of the situation might just be that he is who he was last year. The reality of the situation might be that he's the backup five on this team. And that's totally fine because you have Samuel Williams and you have Matt Cross, you have Dre Davis, you have a lot of guys who can fill that role. You can play a small ball role. And, and we saw tonight, uh, Jalen Withers very much got into a lot of situations where when, when he was playing the five spot in Matt Cross or, or uh, whoever it would be at, at the four spot um, were, you know, all, all on the floor at the same time, Withers definitely uh, thrived a lot more in the post. Uh, and that's on both sides of the floor. He seems like he's much more in position on defense. And it seems like that he is willing when he's the five to really, to really muck it up uh, and, and do a lot of good things uh, at, at the five spot on offense. The concern yeah, that but- I have is, is, is when Louisville gets into situations where you have Malik Williams and Jalen Withers on the floor at the same time, uh, then you run into these issues uh, where Withers is shooting fadeaway jumpers, where he's not finishing around the basket, where he's not crashing the boards. And that's what you have to have. When you have a 6'10 freak athlete on your team who can shoot the ball and do any number of things, uh, you, you have to have him doing the same stuff that we see him doing at the five. He's essentially not doing that. Um, so yeah, but, I, I don't but, know. But, but, here's ahead. the thing, dude. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? We saw Jalen Withers at his best last year playing what position? The, the five spot. The five spot. And so this year with the four, what I see is a guy – who uh, looks at Malik Williams and says, you know what, he's rebounding, he's doing the dirty work, I'm just going to kind of float out here on the perimeter, I can do what I want to do, and we can go on from there. When in reality, what we saw tonight, and again, it's southeastern Louisiana, they had a, a complete mismatch in size, physicality, all that stuff, and, it, and it's very obvious in the 86-60 to 60 score. But what I saw with Jalen was, when Jalen was on the floor as the five, Presley, he was aggressive, and it wasn't because he – he could be. It was because he had to be. He yeah. had to be. He was the guy who was being looked at by the other threes and the fours of saying, you're going to get that rebound? Because I'm not. And, and and that's the thing is when Jalen is playing at that four spot, he looks at Malik, he looks at Sidney Curry, he looks at Gabe, and he says, you do that. I'll stay out here. I'll take care of the perimeter work. When in reality, we saw Jalen Weathers at his best last season at the five. And I thought tonight it was really interesting to see Mac play him there. Uh, we've been kind of talking in our group chat this week. Uh, for the state of Louisville, of how you get Jalen more involved. And I think a lot of us said, hey, maybe try playing at about the five. And, uh, and tonight we saw that. And, you know, it was mixed results. I don't want to act like Jalen Withers was a five-star All-American first-round pick because um, you and I saw a lot of, of uh, uh, mediocrity. I mean, I'm just going to put quite, quite uh, yeah. frankly here. A lot of mediocrity. Um, and, you know, I think that Jalen Withers is – you know, he's got to he's got to play better, um, and he's got to demand more of himself. Uh, you say Malik Williams is your MVP. Let me let me suggest a secondary MVP just to play devil's uh, advocate contrarian here. How about Mason Faulkner, man? Uh, off the bench, I don't have the official minutes in front of me as I'm driving here looking at the ESPN box score, but he goes 
five from eight for the field, two for four from three, three rebounds, three assists, and uh, double figures, 12 points. I had a conversation with a good friend of mine this week as we worked out, and uh, we, we questioned whether Noah Locke is the right guy right now at the two spot. And uh, my buddy said, hey, start Mason Faulkner. I said, you know what? I don't think he's proven that he deserves that yet. Let's see a good performance out of him. And I know, it's again, it's southeastern Louisiana, but Presley, I got to suggest to you, maybe, just maybe Mason Faulkner, a proven scorer at the college basketball level, uh, maybe he deserves a, a chance here at the two spot over Noah Locke. Yeah, I don't know if Mason Faulkner uh, is necessarily a two. Like, I really envision Faulkner as the backup point guard. Like, I envision him as being that second guy, and then you have Locke uh, and L. Ellis as the two guards. Like, that's really what I look at this roster as, and that's what that I, that's what I foresee it being in the future. That's not what it's been, but that's absolutely what I see. Uh, Mason Faulkner, uh, 22 minutes tonight, the second most on the team, tied with Matt Cross. Uh, uh, Jared West led the team with 26 minutes. Um, but there is a, there is a lot of, let me, let me, let me, let me say this real quick. Okay. You, you make a good point there. Mason Faulkner comes in primarily as a point guard, but you, you leave, you read off the minutes for Jared West and Presley. We both know that Matt cannot afford to take Jared West off the floor for very long. That's why that two spot is interesting to me because Jared West is your top defender. He is your, I mean, in the first half, he, 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 his defense, his full-court pressure, the ability to get steals was very evident. The, the reason why I say Mason Faulkner has to play the two is not because he's not a quality point guard. It's because of the fact that it, it, you just can't take Jared West off the court at this point, dude. You just can't. Right, right. Yeah, and I, listen, I mean, you, you, make, you make a really good point. I mean, you look at the Michigan State game. Michigan State game is the perfect example of why Jared West can come off the floor. Louisville – it seemed like they had a baked in plan against Michigan state that Jared West was going to come off and he was going to sit five to six minutes on the, on the bench because that's exactly what happened. And in the stretch that Jared, Jared West was off the floor, the game was over. Like Louisville was 100% in that game. They were, you know, going possession for possession with Michigan state. Jared West comes out L Ellis. And I believe Mason Faulkner and maybe a little bit, no, a little bit of Noah Locke were in the game and the game was over that quick. Yeah, and I can Exactly, but I can also say the same thing about NC State. When Jared West goes off the floor, Darian Sebron, Trapavia Smith, they get, they get going. You can say the same thing about DePaul. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and not that they got going, Presley, but the fact that Jared West guarded uh, uh, Javon Liberty Freeman, United States of America, freedom all day, and he went three for <laughs> 17. Like, Jared yeah. West is not an athlete. He's not a scorer. He had, what, eight points tonight, I think, uh, you know, eight points, five yep. assists. Jared West is the guy who sets the tone for everything Chris Mack demands. Yeah, Chris Mack has been uh, for years. We've heard uh, he offensively he wasn't playing well and he shut down defensively. You don't get that out of Jared West. Jared West gets going defensively, and that's why you can't take him off the floor. And so, uh, you know, when he when he goes off, it, it's really just a how long can we sustain this before we have to put him back in? And so Mason Faulkner tonight proved to me. The scoring gives him the ability to play at that two spot. He's also done a really good job of passing the basketball this season when he's come in. It's really hard for a guy like him who led Western Carolina in scoring with the first uh, uh, Western Con- or whatever the conference is. I, uh, I keep wanting to say the WAC, but it's not the WAC. Whatever the conference was that Western Carolina was in, Jared West yeah. is the first team performer because he's a scorer. His scoring is going to get cut down naturally, transferring up to the ACC. But at the same time, he's providing value other places. 
but he's not gotten enough time and rhythm to be able to prove that he can score tonight. He did that. And Noah Locke scores zero points. And it, it just, when you look at the pros and cons of Noah Locke versus Mason Faulkner right now, if Noah Locke is not scoring, what is he giving you? No, nothing. And, and that's been my point for the last couple of weeks is Noah Locke at Florida had the perfect role. And I think that the reason Noah Locke left Florida was because he envisions himself as being more than that. But Noah Locke is not a North-South player. Like, if you watch Noah Locke, like, tonight, they're playing Southeastern, MFing Louisiana. Like, the players on this team were not good. Like, this was like – The the slew crew. The slew crew, bro. Slew crew. Okay, well, the the slew crew squad was not good. I'm sorry. Like, the the Southeastern Louisiana – what is that's probably the least talented team that they'll play all season. And you could see that on the defensive end for them. They could, they could not stop anything. And yet, I mean, Noah Locke stood out like a sore thumb as the player that could not go North and South off the dribble. And that's exactly what he's been trying to be this entire season. Noah Locke has his, he has his separation moves. So I compare him a lot to Ryan McMahon because if you look at him statistically, He is very, very similar, or was at least at Florida, to Ryan McMahon. He doesn't have a lot of assists. He he, he doesn't shoot two-pointer. Yes. He shoots a lot of three-point shots. He doesn't get into the lane a lot. He does not rebound well. He doesn't do anything well except for shoot the three-point shot and shoot floaters well. That is it. That is his game. And if you watch, like, tapes of him working out with people, if you watch uh, just his tape at Florida, he was very much a stationary catch-and-shoot type of player. 88% of his shots came – no, I believe it was – I'm sorry, 91% of his shots at Florida came uh, off, off of an assist from another player. That's even more than Ryan, Ryan McMahon had. This is a guy that is either going to make a move to free himself up, get enough space to get a shot off, or he's going to come off the screen like we've seen so many times at Louisville uh, and, and get a shot off. This is not a guy that's getting in the lane. He's not going to be a guy who's getting a bunch of deflections. He's not going to be a guy that's, that is running the offense as, as the one. And yet that is so much what he's been trying to do at Louisville. And it's just like Chris Mack came out and said, like, this is a player that we wanted to be. It looks like Noah Locke, like when he came in, that's what he envisioned. But let's at some point, you know, a, a third of the way into the season, we have to be real with ourselves. Like Noah Locke is not that player. He's a catch and shoot guy. He's a guy that might be able to shoot in the mid-range, and he's a guy that might be able to benefit from spacing from the rest of the offense. But he's not, he's not a creator. Like, when you talk about who stirs the drink on this team, I talked about this on the last podcast, and I'll talk about it again, borrowing a term from Jeff Greer. Like, when you talk about the players that stir the drink, when you talk about the four guards, Noah Locke is the last player uh, that's yeah. the primary ball handler that, that stirs the drink. He's not a north and south guy. When he tries to go north and south, he either turns it over or he he, he – uh, uh, gets a charge called on it. Like he, he's just not, that's just not who he is. And that's fine. But Louisville yeah. has to, uh, I don't know if maybe he's doing better in practice, but like Louisville has to recognize that. And they need to, real, they need to realize that Jared West and Mason Faulkner are the two primary ball handler, handlers. And L. Ellis, in a sense, is that kind of combo guard. Like Noah Locke is more of a two or three to me than he is a primary ball handler. And it drives me absolutely bananagrams when he continues to waste possessions for Louisville Uh, and, and, and and to your point, we were talking about Mason Faulkner and then I'll, I'll shut up for a second. We were talking about Mason Faulkner being uh, a guy who could start or potentially be the backup one. 
look, if you look at Jared West and Mason Faulkner right now, those are the two best guards on the team. L. Ellis has the, the ability to score in bunches. He's a dynamic defender. Uh, he can. He is so fast and so athletic, probably the quickest and the most athletic player on the team. But L. Ellis benefits from having Jared West and Mason Faulkner on the floor with him at the same time. If you put, if you put L. Ellis and Noah Locke on the floor at the same time, it is going to be a disaster because no, neither one of those chaos. yes and, and we we've seen that experiment fail time and time again already like that that is just not what you want uh so I, I think that it you need to look at this team as being probably my favorite team and i think maybe your favorite team too ever was the 2009 team when you had edgar zosa and you had andre mcgee and you had jerry uh jerry smith and you had preston Knowles. Those were your four guards, and the two guards played in tandems almost exclusively. You had your two starting guards, and then, then the two guys, the microwave guys, came in right after them and provided that spark off the bench. That's what Louisville needs. Louisville needs their two best guards to start, and then you need two guys who are going to be hustlers, going to be defenders, going to be guys that can come in and provide a different dynamic to the team to come into the game. Right now, that is not what Louisville has. Louisville has uh, Jared West who as of if you were naming an MVP so far in the season, you'd be really, it'd be really hard for you to convince me that it's not Jared West. Uh, You have Jared West and you have Noah Locke, who is a ball stopper, who is a shooter trying to be a a combo guard. And that is just not a combination for success. Uh, The only reason that I feel, and this was in in my game notes, the, the few that I took tonight, the only reason that I feel that Noah Locke is on the floor is because I think that Louisville right now is starting their five best players on the defensive end. I think Malik Williams, Jared West, Noah Locke, uh, Matt Cross, uh, and Dre Davis are your five best defenders at their prospective positions. But you can argue to me, and I would be w- willing to listen to the argument, that Mason Faulkner deserves a spot in place of Noah Locke. So going back, tying that all together to what you said previously, I very much believe that if you started, I, I don't necessarily like the size of that backboard. That's your two smallest guards. But I could definitely see a case being made for Jared West and Mason Faulkner to be the starting two guards on the floor. And then you have your best defensive team on the floor. And as you saw tonight, Louisville seemed to really, and we can get into to this in a second, Louisville seemed to really be getting into their rotation really well. And when you look at, at the way that they kind of managed the game tonight, they would either have the five starters or five non-starters or at least four non-starters on the floor at any time. And when Louisville in the second half, they, they again put in their five starters to start the second half after the first media timeout, there were five non-starters in. And then by the under 12 timeout, you had five starters back in to finish off the game. And that's exactly what I think that Louisville's going to go towards. They're going to go towards essentially putting their five, five, four or five best defenders on the floor at once. And that's how they're going to try to seal games going forward. The offense will come, but you have to figure out who your five guys that are going to put their bodies on the line. who are going to be the best defenders. You have to put those guys on the floor at the same time. And I think that's what Louisville's trying to do right now. All right, let's run through and just kind of briefly touch on some statistics. I'm not the host of this podcast, but I am a host of that podcast. So I feel like I am inclined to kind of run through, reset the show here. Louisville wins 86 to 60 against Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, from the field, they go 30 of 58. They shoot 51% uh, versus Southeastern Louisiana shoots 20 of 62 for 32%. 
from the three-point line, uh, seven of 20, so a little bit improved from DePaul, 35%, six of 33 uh, for Southeastern Louisiana. They took a lot of bad shots, a lot of – I think we could have gotten better shots if me, you, and Alex went out there and tried to play. Uh, but uh, it kind of goes to the, uh, you know, it's the, it's, the, it's the buy game for a reason. From the free throw line, some interesting statistics here. We're going to talk about this here in a second, Preston. I think it's something we got to talk about defensively against teams who are not as offensively uh, gifted. I think Louisville kind of takes nights off. Tonight they have 21 fouls. They foul southeastern Louisiana 21 times. Uh, Louis- southeastern Louisiana goes 14 of 19 from the free throw line. Louisville shoots 23, so more free throws, 19 of 23, 82%. They out-rebound Southeastern Louisiana 40 to 33, including uh, nine offensive rebounds, but they are out-rebounded there on the offensive glass, 13 to nine. So that's uh, definitely something to note. I, I, I could tell you what I saw on the glass tonight uh, was not characteristic of what I think this team can be. Uh, assists, Louisville goes 12 versus the nine for Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, they're led by Jared West there by, with five and eight steals versus five. Uh, for Southeastern Louisiana, I just – I don't know, man. I, overall, I'm not impressed by this win. I thought that uh, Louisville was just – they just outmatched Southeastern Louisiana with talent, size, all of those things, and they got out of there just strictly by that alone. I, I didn't think tonight that we saw anything offensively that uh, really proved that Louisville was different from what we saw against DePaul. I didn't really think defensively they played well. Um, again, I, I know Southeastern Louisiana took a lot of bad shots. I said that a few seconds ago. Some of that is defense, but some of that is the fact that uh, when you're playing against a team that you are just not as good against, you can't get into the lane and you take bad shots from the outside. We saw a lot of that tonight. <laughs> they had a guy that looked like Ron. I swear, Presley, it was uh, Ron Baker. That's what it looked like to me. It was Ron Baker. Um, and, uh, you know, overall, I just I, I felt like uh, Louisville was – was good, not great. They got out of there with a win. Uh, but it's not something I feel like you can hang your hat on. And, and here's what I'm getting to with that, Presley. Um, I think the transition offense from Louisville is fine. I think that you can see the emphasis on picking up the pace and going faster. But where Louisville struggles, Presley, and tell me if I'm wrong here, it's the half court. I don't I don't think they have a half court offense. Um, they look a lot like they the same team last year and the fact that you have four guys standing around watching one. I mean, tell me what you saw tonight that, that would beg you, uh, make you uh, be- believe differently there with that statement that I just made. So when I look at this game, I very much look at this being a game where Louisville knew that they were just more talented and better than Southeastern Louisiana. And that's why they tried to make an effort to get playing time for even the, the players that aren't even getting clock. Uh, yeah. JJ Trainer, we haven't even talked about uh, played five minutes tonight and looked decent. He had a three uh, towards the end of the game uh, and, and and looked capable. I guess I don't. He wasn't impressive by any means. But 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 but, 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 but it's it, here's the thing. Like I don't want to cut you off, but I did. Oh, you're fine. I don't want to. But JJ Trainer played tonight because it's Southeastern Louisiana. Like Preston, we have to acknowledge when Malik goes off the floor, there's a very real problem to Louisville at the five. It wasn't Gabe. Uh, it wasn't – how much was I giving Sidney Curry crap tonight for his – I'm a little kid and I can duck behind the defense and act like I'm not here. Like, the, the five spot is so sad behind Malik that I'm worried about what happened long-term. There's injury. Malik gets in foul trouble. Um, and J.J. Trainer did not show me anything to make me think that he is it. No, I mean, if the, tonight was a win for the body language guys, right? 
like the guys <laughs> who the guys who are on Twitter and the guys who are sitting behind you a few too many beers deep at, at the Yum Center uh, complaining that that someone is just slouching too much or don't look like they're into the game. I mean, I just think that's who JJ Trainer is. Like JJ Trainer is like a guy who's going to like, uh, sh- you know, show up at, at, at the bar and just like, just be like, whatever. Like the guy that's just like, looks like he's pouty in the background, but like really is the nicest guy ever. And that's kind of how he, he is on the floor too. Like he's just very much just who he is. Uh, you know, we, we saw in high school, his coaches, uh, their, their major complaint was, you know, he would be a, a top 40, top 50 type of player, fringe five-star type of player if he just brought it day in and day out. And it's the same thing as Jalen Withers, right? If he just had the work ethic and he brought it day in and day out like a, a Malik Williams, like a Jared West, like you would see the difference would be night and day. Like when you put in those repetitions, like things are going to change. Uh, you, yeah, your, yeah. your point, though, going into this, uh, what was was simply that you're concerned about the five spot and you weren't impressed at all uh, about what what they brought to the table tonight. And I wholeheartedly agree. Um, my my comment on that would just be that I think Malik Williams, uh, we said and we were dead wrong that Malik Williams needed to be a 18 to 20 minute a night type of guy. Um if the last three to four games are any indication of what Malik Williams is going to bring to this team, I absolutely see him as a 25 to 30 minute type, a game type of guy. And then I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Roosevelt Wheeler needs to be the guy getting those backup minutes. Like to me, Roosevelt Wheeler is, is the best is the most talented big on this team. Like Roosevelt Wheeler is the only true big man on this team. Uh, I guess Gabe Wisnitzer in a sense is as well. Uh, but really I like what Roosevelt leader brings to the table. Uh, if you talk to some intelligent basketball minds, they can tell you that it seems like Roosevelt Wheeler is not picking up the, the, the playbook as, as quickly as, as the coaching staff would like. Uh, however, his talent is through the roof. His potential yeah. is, is unbelievable. Like this guy is just, he has the perfect frame uh, for a power five big, like the perfect frame. Like this is a guy that I, I see him being like a gray goat in that at, at OSU, or I see him being like pretty much any big that's, that's played at Virginia. Like he is a, a very much a guy who can become that Malik Williams hedging on screens type of guy. He can be the guy who is just kind of all over the floor with his wingspan and his size. He can be a guy who's an aggressor, on the defensive end, he and, and his post moves, it's undeniable. When he gets in the game, he might not even know what the hell he's doing. But when he gets the ball in his hands, he has like three or four go-to post moves. And when he's on that pick and roll, like we saw tonight with Jared West, like he, he's going to score the ball around the basket. Like he is extremely talented. I, I like as far as his skill set and as far as what he can potentially bring to the table, I have nothing but great things to say about Roosevelt Wheeler. Uh, the concern across the board, obviously, with Wheeler is that he's not getting minutes because he's not picking up on the Louisville offense or defense as quickly as he needs to be. And when you're playing uh, Duke, when you're playing North Carolina, Virginia, Kentucky, like all these teams that are coming up on the schedule, he's going to get his lunch taken. 
Like the Louisville has an, an unbelievable, unbelievably tough matchup with Jamarian Sharp from Western Kentucky on Saturday. And <laughs> I mean, like, is is like as all the nice things that I said about Roosevelt Wheeler, that doesn't mean Jack squat against Jamarian Sharp. Like that guy's gonna gonna eat his lunch if he brings the same sort of uh I'm not gonna say lackadaisical effort, but just like the same sort of like his he is not mentally uh, he's not he's not picked up on the playbook. He's not picked up on where he needs to be on the floor uh, as quickly as as some of the other players on the team. Uh, so very it's very much a, a, a thing where I think that that Roosevelt Wheeler is going to be extremely valuable down, down the road, maybe even this season. Uh, but I, I think that he's the I think he's the main backup. When you talk about what this team brings to the table, uh, I, I like Sidney Curry at times. Like I, I'm, I'm impressed with his athleticism, his foot speed. I'm impressed with his hands, uh, but he is still very much behind as far as the transition to the Power Five level. Uh, and Gabe Wisnitzer, as much as we've heard great things about him in practice, he has not been that on the floor this season. We saw against and everybody points to the Georgia Tech game where he was unbelievable last season. Uh, and everybody points to, you know, the, the, the handful of games where Wisnitzer was great. And then obviously he's, he's been – what, Wisnitzer? No? Dude, when was he – what is great anymore if we're calling Gabe Wisnitzer great? I mean, he's been good. Don't get me wrong. But, like, yeah, let's no. not sit here and act like he's setting the world on fire. No. It's Presley. You and I can both run full speed like him up and down the court. That's all he's done. Like I know, but you and I are, like, 5'9". Like, Gabe Wisnitzer is seven, seven feet, feet tall. He's also yeah. 18 years old. So I also am not saying that he is like unusable, but I'm just saying at this point, uh, he's he, like, we got to stop looking at him as being any sort of solution to the problems that Louisville's facing right now. Um, but you, dude, you talk about Roosevelt Wheeler, man. I, what did I tell you when he went to the free throw line? Like, holy shit, that dude is big. Like, yeah, that, he's, he's a specimen. He is absolutely he, a specimen. And we talked a little bit about this, just us three sitting in our seats, bullshitting about next year. You know, obviously next year is next year, but like Louisville's big man position is in a world of trouble if they don't figure out something between Malik leaving and, and Roosevelt kind of stepping in. But I feel like yeah, Roosevelt shows every week that he's becoming more and more of a guy capable of, of stepping into that five spot. And I love it. I think he's the, he's the backup five. I think he's shown that time and time again. Um, and as far as Malik goes, man, like I- I'm trying to, I'm sitting here listening to you talk about the big man spot, trying to collect my thoughts and what I think. And I'm going to, I'm going to say this. Um, I think so far we're, we're only what, what's Louisville's record right now? Let me look at this real quick. Seven and three, 10 games in. They'll play what? 32 games this year. That's correct. Uh, so we're, so we're not even, we're just a little bit one third of the way through. Um, yep. Malik Williams is having the best season of a big man since Gorgie Day. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Shinano Wanawaki would have something to say about that. Uh, but yeah, Maybe. I mean, I mean, but, 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 Wanawaku would take games over offensively. He was also super lazy, but where, where Malik Williams is making the difference, Presley, is the defensive side of things. It's the yes. ability to, to get a steal, it's the ability to get a block, it's the ability to uh, get a rebound and get a transition going with an outlet pass, it's the ability to come down. Uh, catch a pass at the top of the key and make a play. It's the pick and pop. It's the pick and roll. I mean, Malik is doing – Malik, hands down right now, is Louisville's best player. And what I told you before the season was, if Malik, if Malik Williams is Louisville's best player, we're in trouble. I still feel that same way. Malik Williams is, yep. is decrepit, and the fact that he looks like he can't jump over a phone book, um, 
that's that's what foot injuries do to people like him, that side. But at the same time, his effort is undeniable. The way he's passing the ball and seeing the floor is undeniable. He is Louisville's best player right now. This team goes as he goes. And I'm excited to see what happens, you know, as the season goes on. I'm just really hoping he can stay healthy. Um, finishing thoughts here. Uh, 86 to 60 Louisville wins. They go seven and three over southeastern Louisiana. They play Western Kentucky on Saturday. Uh, Presley, I don't feel any different as I did uh, Friday night. I'm not sure what to think about this team. Uh, I went into the season thinking that the veteran guards and Mason Faulkner, Jared West, and Noah Locke would really be kind of the, the value proposition with this team. That's what would set them apart. So far, that's not the case. I, I'm not sure if Louisville is a non-tournament team, if they're a first-round exit team, or if they're a Sweet 16 team. But right now, personally, I'm just not impressed with what I've seen. Um, I know Chris Mack is only in his third game back tonight against Southeastern Louisiana. I know that um, – you know, there's been a lot of things happening around the program, but I just right now don't see a team capable of going any further than maybe the second round. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can't disagree with you there. Like, I I see a high ceiling with this team still because I think that there is so much left. Like, like you you can look at a team like you can look at last year's team and realize that like without Carly Jones, since they didn't have Malik Williams most of the season. Without Carly Jones, like, you're just screwed. Uh, I mean, David Johnson was what David Johnson was, uh, you know. But, I mean, they were young, inexperienced, uh, lacked athleticism, terrible shooting team, uh, shaky defensive team. Like, there was, there was just a lot left to be desired with last year's team. You look at this team, I mean, I think that there is so much potential. Uh, but, but Saturday presents a challenge – uh, that that Louisville has to kind of rise to. I mean, you look at ESPN, they give uh, Western Kentucky a 49% chance of winning this game. Uh, their leading scorer is Jarius Hamilton, who uh, can absolutely is absolutely capable of giving Louisville fits. Uh, Davion McKnight is still on this team. Uh, the one thing with McKnight that I'll say is that he's very much like an LLS type of player. Like I think he averages six, six assists and four and a half turnovers per game. Uh, so he's just, he, as much great as he provides, he's also kind of helter-skelter mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, and then Jamarian Sharp, I alluded to just a little bit, uh, he absolutely will eat Louisville's lunch if they don't come with a game plan for him. Uh, if, if you watch Louisville play Old, Old Miss on uh, Saturday night, Jamarian Sharp was, was unbelievable. I mean, this guy had, you know, nearly a double-double at halftime. Everything that comes into his area, if he's not blocking it, he's getting damn close and altering the shot. Like he's he's a problem. Like this this was the yeah. number one JUCO player coming out out of uh, out of last year's class. Ah, hey now, number two. What number two? Number two JUCO player. Louisville's got the number one JUCO player. Don't you get it twisted? Who was that? That would be Albert Ellis, sir. Oh, uh, that that's right. I'm I'm sorry. Well, the, the differing you know differing opinions. Uh, uh, Jamarian Sharp is definitely having more an effect more of an effect at WKU than LLS is having at Louisville uh, is kind ah, of the point yeah, that That's fair. But, uh, you know, I also would say the same token. How nice would it be to have Jamarian Sharp and not Sidney Curry? Not 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 to shit on Sidney Curry because I think he's still got the chance to be a good a good player. But what about seven-foot-four center off the bench? How nice would yeah. that be? Yeah, I mean, that would be uh, – that'd be something. That would be and, something. And I'll t- I, look, I'll tell you this right now on this show, and, uh, you know, I would I – would, 
challenge somebody to come with a different thought, but uh, I know for a fact that Chris Mack did not prioritize Jamarian Sharp. I know for a fact that Jamarian Sharp wanted to go and play at Louisville. I know that very much so from that camp that that recruitment was all about relationships and who showed the uh, the desire to have Jamarian Sharp on their team, and that's why Rick Stansberry won that. Now, you might want to make a comment about some potential bags being dropped. I'm not willing to say that's true or not. I don't know. But I know for a fact that if Chris Mack won Jamarian Sharp, he would be on the team right now. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, if you, but if you're looking at this WKU game, right, and going forward, I just need to see – I need to see three players specifically on this team uh, accepting and playing into what their role needs to be. I'm not sure what's being said in practice, but there's three players that stand out to me. I'm not sure if you'd identify the same players, but to me, number one is Noah Locke. I think Noah Locke, he's shooting 30, 32% from the field this season. I'll say that again. Louisville's leading scorer is shooting 32% from the field. That's not good. That's freaking terrible. Like, he, Noah Locke has to accept what his role is on this team. And right now, it, he's doing exactly the opposite of that. Everything is forced. Everything is rushed. When he tries to go north-south, it is just – it is a tough sight to see. Like, he's getting his pocket pick from a guy that looks like a, like a Walmart brand uh, Ricky Rubio. Like, he – it's just <laughs> – it's, it's, it's bad news bears, all right? Number two, Samuel Williamson. Samuel Williamson scored, I believe, nine points tonight. He wasn't as effective on the boards, uh, which is why I think you saw that the free throw – or the – excuse me. The rebounding discrepancy wasn't quite what it's been in past games, uh, but at least he got some points on the board. Sam Williamson, he just has to get back to his bread and butter. And, and, and maybe that's Louisville not providing him enough opportunities uh, to, to do what he does best. But Sam Williamson, he can get to the freaking bucket, and he's going to score at a high rate when he's going to the bucket against anybody, against yeah. anyone. He's going uh, to be a great player in the mid-range. He's going to be a great player finishing around the bucket. He doesn't get those opportunities, and I don't know if that's him, or I, and I don't know if that, or I don't know if that's Chris Mack, Ross McBain's throw any name on on the freaking put Taylor Barnett out there. Like I don't, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know who is responsible for Sam, but but Sam has to be more consistent on this team. Like he he has to provide more for Louisville because I think that he's. He's an elite rebounder and he's an elite mid-range player. Elite. Like I I, like Mm. I I cannot like people will forget that because Sam is has been so wishy-washy. He either scores 18 and has 12 rebounds, or he's a no-show. And Louisville just can't have that. Like I'm so fine with him being an eight and eight guy. That's what he needs to be. Eight points, eight rebounds a night. He could provide so much for this team. He's such a good rebounder, and he's like, I'm telling you. He there. I would pick him over anybody else in the country in the freaking mid range. Like, uh, like uh, I, I've I've told Nick in past podcasts, he is old man Sam. Like he has just this old school mentality. And last last game, DePaul was zoning a lot. Sam just didn't simply did not get on the floor at all. Yeah, um, it was just, it was the same thing tonight, man. I mean, look, it, it, I know he hit that really nice turnaround mid range jumper, but he goes two for six from the field seven points he has four personal fouls and how many times did we see rebounds get ripped away from him yeah it's not the same sam williamson we've seen and i'm gonna say it i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say it 
It's not my podcast. I don't feel bad. You, you explain to me. You tell me why he's any different than BJ King Presley. He's not. He's not. <laughs> he comes in. He's lost. He looks like he has no idea how to get into the rhythm of the game, how to get into the flow of the offense. He's playing uh, – sometimes it looks like a different sport than everybody else. He's just lost that edge that he once had, and I don't know if that's Chris Mack. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, something in his – going on in his just his life. I mean, life is hard. Sometimes basketball and sports come secondary. But I, I just don't see the same guy that I saw even last year. Um, even against – what was it, Mississippi State where he had 14 rebounds, 13 rebounds. Yeah. Tonight, yeah. Presley, I saw – Several guys, six foot three, six foot four, six foot six, steal rebounds from him. Yep. Um, it, it just doesn't look like that. That the same guy is there. He's a shell of himself, and I don't know what the solution is with him, man. Uh, but right now, he's he's just slipping more and more into that BJ King, Wayne Blackshear type of territory, um, and I, and I just don't know what to do there uh, with him. Uh, let me let me give you my closing thoughts on on Western Kentucky. I think that uh, this game on Saturday is going to be very interesting. Western Kentucky is not a bad team. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jarius Hamilton. He's a Boston College transfer. He's given Louisville fits a couple of times. They've got guys like J- Jamarian Sharp averaging eight rebounds, Davian McKnight, who is averaging six rebounds, five assists, almost six and six, really. Um, they are a talented team, but they go about seven deep, and they have about five quality players, I'd say. Louisville should outmatch Western Kentucky with talent, and anything um, less than that uh, will be a failure in my mind. I know this game is in Bowling Green which, uh, you know, I'm very much a believer that everything happens for a reason. Uh, and this weekend, I think our state, I think that uh, everything that's happened over the last week, um, all eyes being focused on this, the city of the team of Louisville, which obviously, much like Kentucky, has a big statewide draw, being in Bowling Green where those tornadoes killed people. And, and really, there's just a, a lot of kind of things up in the air just with the town. I think that just all eyes on that, hopefully positivity and donations and things kind of come with that it's bigger than basketball but I just think that Louisville should outmatch Western Kentucky this is not a Western Kentucky team that has Charles Bassey who was a, obviously a second round pick last year in the draft they've got Jerry Hamilton uh, Davion McKnight Cameron Justice Luke Frampton and Josh Anderson and then Jamarian Sharp and that's it man they got Jalen Butts who's a transfer from DePaul uh, they'll play Isaiah Cozart who is a, a former um, high school kid here in the state of Kentucky they've got some other kids but they are a, a relatively um uh, uh, I don't, they don't have much depth, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. They'll go about seven, eight deep. Louisville should be able to run them out of the gym. We should see what that depth can do against teams like that. And if not, I think we need to have a serious conversation about maybe this team isn't as good as we thought they were. Yeah, I mean, uh, you look at this Western Kentucky team, uh, what really concerns me more than anything else is just that they will absolutely bring it on the boards. Uh, now, is Louisville going to be up to the challenge? The last two teams that they played in Mississippi State, Maryland, that seemed like they were really solid on the boards. Louisville absolutely owned up to that challenge. Uh, DePaul, in the first half, they, they definitely rose to the occasion, basically allowed one offensive board in the, in the first half, and then they allowed 13 in the second half. Look. Louisville has to come mentally prepared for this game. If you look at the box score tonight, they're playing center. Doesn't mean a ton, uh, but but at halftime, Hamilton has nine rebounds. Sharp has six rebounds. McKnight has seven rebounds. Like, they will absolutely eat your lunch on the boards. 
Uh, Frampton played an excellent game against against Ole Miss. Uh, Western Kentucky's undefeated at home. It doesn't mean a ton. They haven't played a ton of great great teams. Uh, but but Western Kentucky absolutely destroyed Ole Miss uh, at the holiday. What is it called? The holiday hoops giving or something like that. Uh, they hung with a, a pretty solid South Carolina team. Uh, they hung with Memphis, who I don't know. I'm not sure what what Memphis is going to bring to the table. And then every team that's been essentially lesser than them, they've absolutely blown out of the water. So uh, this is a Western team who plays well at home, undefeated at home. Uh, they're going to absolutely bring it. Uh, Sansbury has a disdain for Louisville. Um, and, and, and I'll kind of get to my 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 third player as well. It's, and, and it's obvious. Uh, we said Noah Locke, uh, Samuel Williamson. Uh, and, and and then Jalen Withers is, is their is the third player, and this is a guy that has to step up against WKU. Um, I think that this is very much a Matt Cross game. What concerns me is, actually, I'll, I'll just go ahead and call it now. Matt Cross is going to get get a technical foul against Western Kentucky. <laughs> He's going to get in a fight, dude. Like it's going to be no, the Terry uh, Rozier Montrez Harrell situation all over. Yes, again. Like, yes. So Louisville hasn't been to Western Kentucky since Terry Rozier and Montrez Harrell almost started a brawl. Uh, and, and it's not that they started it. Western Kentucky ganged up on Montrez Harrell. Uh, Harrell obviously took offense to that. Terry Rozier yeah, definitely took look. offense to that. And, uh, and obviously, the game, because they almost had to stop the game. Uh, and what they was that, did, but it, it was. And if you remember, Terry Rozier scored what, like the final, like 27 points or something like that. I it mean, was he something was in stupid. That- I've yeah. never seen a Louisville guard have to like take over a game like that. I mean, Montrez yeah. got ejected. It was just, I mean, it was looking there for a while like uh, Louisville was going to lose. And I mean, yeah, Louisville lost and, to Western Kentucky in this game several times. Right, but it, it, I, I believe I, I could be wrong. It's been a while since I looked at this stat, but I think Western Kentucky actually leads the series against Louisville. Like they've been a a, a, a consistent program for years and years and years. And they've always provided a, a really solid challenge for Louisville, especially when Louisville goes there. Uh, and, and you look at this team, uh, they very much, I mean, they're going to be better. They're going to be at least as good as Louisville rebounding at, at the five and four spot. And, I mean, Matt Cross is going to get a technical. Like, it is what it is. Like, you guys can go back and, and tell me I'm wrong if it doesn't happen. But, like, I just look at this game. Their student section is going to be wild, as always. Uh, their fan base has a disdain for Louisville, even probably even more than Kentucky. Uh, and, and, and Louisville's going to go in there and have a legitimate challenge. I like this being a Matt Cross game, but I'm afraid that he's going to get in foul trouble. Uh, I like this being a Jared West game, but I'm afraid he's going to get in foul trouble. I like this being a Samuel Williamson game, but I'm afraid that something's going to happen. He's going to get in foul trouble or he's not going to be able to hit a shot. Like, so to me, this is the Jalen Withers coming out game. Like Jalen Withers, we're going to have to look at Jalen Withers and say, look, you either need to just put up or shut up. Like either you're going to be the backup five and play 12 minutes a game and Matt Cross is going to be our guy uh, or you're going to step it up and be the, you know, all conference type of player that we know that you're capable of being. Because nine games in, 10 games in, uh, a quarter of the way or a third of the way through the season, he's not been that. Like he's not even been – he's been the worst that we've seen him – hands down by far. Uh, so with, with, with all of that in mind, uh, Louisville has really three guys that need to have a come to Jesus moment uh, that all bring so much to the table for this team. It can't be, be Malik Williams, Jared West and Matt Cross just bringing it every night and everybody else just kind of like 
deciding if they want to bring it. Uh, yeah. and, and, and so that that's kind of my my takeaway from this game and going into the next game. Because look, I mean, you got a you got a hell of a stretch. You got Western Kentucky, you have Kentucky, and then you have your conference schedule. And like, yeah, the ACC is down, but you can't bring even the effort that they brought tonight uh, against uh, against the conference opponent. You're gonna lose. Like straight yeah, I mean, up. Look, look, dude. If they lose this game against Western Kentucky, they enter. And, and I mean, you as of right now, kind of assume that that Kentucky game is a loss. I mean, they enter the game and the ACC schedule on the bubble. And regardless of how good the ACC is or it isn't, I mean, that's not a league you want to go into on the bubble where you're, you know, you potentially are a you know six, seven, eight seed in the tournament before the ACC with, a, you know, having to play your way into the NCAA tournament. That's not a place that Louisville wants to be. All right, I'm going to close the show here. Uh, I'll let you do the the driving in terms of exiting the show, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you on this, man. Um, I think the success of this team is going to depend on the lineup, and as of right now, because of the fact that you have Matt Cross and you have Dre Davis playing so well. I wonder if this is not – and also the fact that Jared West is uh, – and you can't take him off the floor. I don't – I just can't help but wonder if this team's best lineup doesn't consist of three guards and two uh, – you know, Malik obviously at the five, but when you go to the bench at, at two forwards at the four and five. I, I just – what you're getting out of Dre Davis and Matt Cross and then the fact that you have Faulkner and uh, Ellis and – and West, I just can't help it. Maybe we'll see three more three guards playing at the same time down the stretch with either uh, Cross Davis at the four and then Malik at the five. I just think that that the way that that the lineup shaking out, they have they have a lot of depth at guard. They have the opportunity to kind of combine these guys. I want to see three guards in at the same time with a, with a Cross or Davis at the four and Malik at the five. Yeah, and I I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean. Look, you look at, at at this juncture in the season, and hell, we could look 10 games, you know, we're 10 games in, you could look 10 games down the road and have a completely different opinion on this. But I 100% think that that Louisville's essentially three, their, their three, three guards or their three wing players are head and shoulders above what Jalen Weathers and JJ Trainer bring to the table, which is like yeah. going into the season, that is absolutely like, that's a sentence that you would never expect to hear. But, I mean, that's the truth. I mean, Dre Davis, Matt Cross, and Sam Williamson bring so much more to this team than, than what Louisville's true fours bring. Uh, and at this juncture, I, I think that that's who you have to play. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I talked in the, in the last post-game podcast about, you know, you might have to just come to the reality uh, or to the realization uh, that Jalen Withers is just going to have to go through, through some growing pains and you're just going to have to live with it, but maybe not. I mean, that that's that's a great point. You know, you might need to have three of your four guards in uh, for the majority of the time and kind of rotate in those three-slash-four wing players uh, and then Jalen Withers be your backup five. Like, that could very, very well be what Louisville uh, settles into this season. And I like that rotation. Like if you if you take the backup big men like the true fives and you take Withers and Trainer out of the equation, like those are if if I'm looking at at the players that are playing the best, giving the best effort, uh, playing the best at their position as far as like as far as uh, 
overall across the board, defending, rebounding, hustle plays, all of that stuff. Like, I think you take, you know, Louisville's three backup bigs and you take their two fours out of the equation. The rest of the team is, is kind of, uh, in a sense, living up to it, living up to what their expectations are. And that could change down, down the road. Uh, it may be different in practice. I don't really know. But, like, when I look at this team, it's those nine or ten guys that need to be in the rotation right now. And if Jalen Withers, J.J. Trainer, Roosevelt Wheeler, uh, Sidney Curry kind of can up the ante a little bit and, and, and become those kind of players, maybe that happens down the road. But right now, you have to play what the players uh, who provide the, the best effort and the best stats across the board who are going to give you the best chance to win. Uh, and, and so that that's kind of what I see going down the road. But just to wrap it up, Louisville victorious 86-60 to 60 tonight. Um, ultimately, covered the spread, um, answered a few questions that we had, but still left us wanting a lot more. Um, hopefully, after Western Kentucky on Saturday, uh, we have some more answers and we have some positive takeaways um, from a successful week. Uh, Jacob, thank you for hopping on with me. Until next time, starting 502 Podcast. Peace.